This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of Star Chat. I am Ari Temkin along with Jared Sandler and welcome aboard this spaceship. Star spaceship. This we- voyage. Voyage. Voyage through the unknown. I, I wanted to start off real quickly, Jared, just getting your opinion on this topic. Um, Jason Garrett and Tom Landry, basically the same coach? Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm very hesitant to answer this in the event that I've missed some very open inside joke or, or uh, pop culture reference that's going on right now. Uh, so you what, what am I missing here? You don't think they're similar? I do not think they're similar. Did oh, did Jerry say that they're similar? No, 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 no. Um, no, I just wanted to make sure you didn't think that Jason Garrett and Tom Landry were 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 comparable. Well, they're both. Uh, one is a former, and one is a current Cowboys coach. They do um, have that in common. I, I would say that one uh, was a little more successful. Uh, in winning football games than the other, but they both have won several football games, but the rate at which those games have been won, probably a little more favorable for uh, <laughs> coach Landry than coach Garrett. And I'd say uh, playoff success, a little more favorable for coach bit. Landry than coach Garrett. Yeah. A little bit. So I, I wrote an article for the fans website, basically saying, you know, that Jerry's always thought of Jason Garrett as his Tom Landry, you know, and, and that Landry, you know, in Landry's first six years, he won 32% of his games, not very good. And then the subsequent six years, uh, he was obviously the coach of the Cowboys for more than 12 years. I'm just, this is, you know, the pri- six years prior to his success, he was 32, won 32% of his games. And then the next six years, he won 77% of his games. He won six straight division championships the NFC championship and then, and then the net in the Super Bowl in 1971. So, you know, the, the idea being that Jerry's kept held on to Jason for this long time because he's thought, Hey, if those, if, if, you know, if Tech Shram and, and if they gave up on, uh, if they gave up on Landry back then, then they wouldn't have had the success. Now it, it, right. But you know, the article really paints Jason Garrett's reality in that context. However, the fans, Twitter account kind of tweeted it out as me comparing Garrett and, and Landry. And so people, as you would imagine, just read the headline, not reading the article, you know, reacted accordingly. So are you telling me that the social media team at the fan no. uh, has put you in a bad spot? They, no, 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 because they do a lot of heavy lifting for us. So I appreciate everything they do. I'm just saying that it was a good headline and maybe it, it caused people to not – I would say it caused people to not click a link. People, people don't read Jared. They just read a headline and then that's the entire thing. That's like, I don't even know why I write an article. Why do we even record a podcast? We should just write a headline on what the podcast is, is and then that's all that the podcast is. Like today, I actually, we have I Byron actually Jones don't. on the podcast. It's a really short interview with Byron Jones. 
And so we should just write Byron Jones on the podcast and then just see how excited people get for the podcast, but not actually listening to the podcast. Boy, I'll, uh, I'll give people a spoiler. You're going to want to listen to the Xavier Suafilo, uh, interview, but if you can only listen to one, then pick that one over Byron Jones. Cause, uh, we got a two Byron. Yeah, we got a twofer, but was it really a twofer? I mean, you can listen to the interview and decide. One and a halfer? Let's just say that uh, I hope Byron Jones' performance on Sunday was better than his performance in this interview. (laughs) All right, so as we, as we lay, uh, as we, as we put the Vikings game to rest, I wanted to just get you to react to a, uh, a couple of things that stood out to me and one that I actually wrote about in this article that everybody should go check out at 105thefan.com in which I, I compare Jason Gear to Tom Landry because they're obviously the same coach with the exact obviously. same. Yeah, with the exact So I mentioned 32% of his games first six years, 77% of his games next six years. Jason Garrett's been the coach of the Cowboys for 10 years. We split it up by five. Jason Garrett's record is first five years of the Cowboys, 41 and 31. 41 and 31. That's 57% of his games, okay? Yeah. Want to take a stab at what the last five seasons, his winning percentages? Jason Garrett's winning percentage the last five seasons. So he, his first five seasons as the coach of the Cowboys, 41 and 31, 57% of his games. What are the last five? Including the Vikings game. Uh, let's go with 52% of, uh, he, a winning percentage of 50, 52. He has virtually the exact same record. He is, okay. he was 41 and 31 in his first five years. And if you count the nine games from this season, he is 41 and 32 in his last five years. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you draw from that? Is that they're playing very consistently in all three phases? <laughs> yeah. Is, is that okay? Yeah, he's consistent. That's, he's not Tom Landry, I guess is the, is the first point. He's not, he's not trending up. He might not be actually getting better as a coach. He might just be the same. In 10 years, that's kind of what he is, maybe. Here's the other thing, too. This this is the one that – I wouldn't say it blew me away, but it's interesting to, to think about, Jared. So there are five – not including Landry, not including Tom Landry, there are five coaches in the history of the NFL that have coached one team for at least 145 games, which is the same games amount of games that Jason Garrett has coached the Cowboys. Five coaches in the history of NFL – other than Landry, that coached 145 games without getting to it, without getting to a championship game. Okay, Landry did it after 152 games, but we have already established that Landry clearly trended. It was trending up, and Jason Garrett right. is clearly trending on a straight line. Of those five coaches that coached at least 145 games of the same team and didn't play for an NFC cha- or a, a conference championship, only Marvin Lewis has a worse winning percentage. Oi, uh, I like Marvin Lewis and, you know, I do think he deserves some credit for what he accomplished in Cincinnati accomplishments. And I would go out on a limb and say you don't want to be in a list that includes Marvin Lewis because <laughs> of that ceiling. So I guess this is where we bury the Vikings game, and, and I tell you that you were 100% correct, and I was wrong. You said last week on the Star Chat that the Cowboys were going to beat the Vikings and lose the NFC East, and I thought you were crazy. I, I said the Cowboys were going to lose to the Vikings. Lo- that's what I said. Sorry, lose to the Vikings and, and, and lose the NFC East, right? They weren't going to win the, conference, the, the division? 
Yeah, I I definitely felt very strongly about the fact they were going to lose to the Vikings. And I felt very uh, strongly the other way. Yeah, and, and, and I still feel like they're going to lose the division, but I will say this. I, I did take a look after I made the, the comment because a lot of that was predicated on uh, what I understood was a, a really rough remaining schedule. But looking at it and the way that the season has evolved and the way teams have or maybe have not performed, I don't think their schedule is as unfavorable uh, as I maybe thought it was relative to right, the rest of the league. Right. Or, or, or sorry, relative to the. Listen, I'm not going to back away from what I said. Uh, I, but I do think that, uh, I probably, if, if I were to reset today, I'd say, yeah, you know, I, I think they'll, I think they'll be okay. Uh, but I will say this. I still think it comes down to week 16. I think they're going to have to beat the Eagles in, in week 16. Uh, and at the time of my comment last week, it never was the thought, well, I think the Eagles are better than the Cowboys. It was more of, I wonder if the Cowboys are going to be, uh, win enough games over the next few weeks for week 16 to matter like that. But, uh, I ultimately think the Cowboys success in division, as far as that pertains to a potential tiebreak, will allow week 16 to ultimately determine the division. Uh, and the Eagles injuries are a little concerning, but I, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I think that it's more, I think Cowboys fans are probably more aware of it after losing to Minnesota than they would have been at this time last week. This is not going to be an easy uh, stretch to win the division. I mean, they're going to have to play good teams way better than they have, uh, which has been almost not well at all. Right. Uh, and that's not going to get you the division. They have yet to, I mean, they have not played a good team well other than the Eagles all year. And that can't remain uh, because while they don't have as daunting of a, a home stretch as maybe we would have guessed at the beginning of the season, we're not talking about the Redskins, the Giants, the Jets, uh, and crap teams the rest of the way. They have tough teams remaining on their schedule. Do you think Jason Garrett and the decision-making in the Vikings game is the reason they lost the Vikings game? Well, I, I don't think it, I, Ari, I've, I've gone back and forth on this, uh, and, and I apologize. I was celebrating, uh, I was celebrating an anniversary with my wife, and I usually get a chance Happy to listen to something. Well, thank you. Uh, I usually get a chance to listen to a little bit of your post game, but I, I, I did not that night, so I, I don't know exactly what you guys were talking about. Uh, what I'll say is this, a few things. One, yes, I did not like the decision-making late in the game. I did not like the decision-making early in the game. Uh, I found that in general I don't agree with a lot of the decision-making, like a lot of people who follow this team. Uh, I, I do want to point this out, that if the Cowboys thought it was fit to sign Ezekiel Elliott to the contract they signed him to, then when you've got third and two, I don't give a crap what defense you're going up against. And I don't give a crap how poorly maybe you have performed that game. You better get me two yards and two carries. Uh, and so I, while I don't agree with the play call, I'm not justifying it. I, I don't want people to let Zeke off the hook here uh, because Zeke has not been as good as they need him to be. And, you know, to, to perform against the Vikings, 
uh, in a big game and to, to perform the way he performed. Listen, it'd be one thing if the Cowboys couldn't pass the ball and, uh, you know, they were just able to focus on Zeke the way maybe in, in years past teams would have done. But that wasn't the case. The Cowboys were lighting the Vikings up in the air. And so I don't want to let Zeke off the hook. However, with all that said, they made the choice to take the ball out of their best player's hands in a sense. And I heard Brad Sham come on and say that they were RPOs. I I don't know. One of the plays I saw, the receivers were not running a route. So they might have been option reads for Dak, but not RPOs, just straight option reads. And I don't necessarily hate that decision. I just... I think I would have preferred to t- to leave to not even give Dak an option. Just say Dak, you're you're we're torching these guys. I'll take my chances that we're going to get two yards and two passing plays in that situation. Uh, and I didn't like that, but I don't think that the player should be left off the hook here. And whether it's Dak making a bad read, uh, whether it's Zeke not performing the way that. He should have performed, whether it's, you know, the defense just, again, at times looking kind of clueless. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big, I think in, in football more so than other sports, the coaching has a, a direct influence because they call the plays. But I don't think you let the players off the hook. All that said, yeah, I was a little, I was in, incredibly surprised, I should say, with the decision-making late in that game. Yeah, and, and you know the way I looked at it, and what we kind of talked about or zeroed in on the post game show was, in the final two drives, you know, basically the the you know before the game, I mean before the punt return, all that stuff, because I I think that's just that's just extra. They they should have they should have won the game on one of those final two drives, where they didn't. In the final two drives of the game, the Cowboys were eight of fourteen for one hundred and thirteen yards, and. It's an average of 14 yards of completion. They were seven, they had seven carries for three yards. Five of those seven carries were for one yard or less. So, like, I hate to be, let's nitpick every single down play call because on an individual level, players, individual plays make decisions, coaches, offensive coordinators, like, there's so much that goes in to an individual play. That if you if you look at the larger picture, the the larger trends, because I hated how it was like, well, this is they shouldn't have done this a third and two. Was it RPO? It's like stop focusing on the one specific play and look us at a look at a broader sample size, and then that's going to tell you a larger trend that's more troubling. The more troubling number is the seven yards, seven carries for three yards. Not that they should have run it less. They were just clearly running it at very inefficient times. And that was the problem all game is they were consistently making Dak Prescott convert third and longs. So, like, I think we, we do ourselves no service in analyzing football to say on that particular play, this, this was a mistake. What we should do is say, okay, look at, look at the trends of the course of the game and react to that. And that's Jason Garrett. It, it's on an individual level, Kellen Moore, and he is responsible to, for, to a certain degree, but it's just how many times can we see this and say that that's not Jason Garrett? How many times can we make excuses for him? He's literally fired every position coach and coordinator two times over. And this is, the reason I think this is so important and this game was so maddening, Jared, is because this gives you the ceiling on the Cowboys season. We thought the ceiling could be higher, but they, they their ceiling is not because it's held back by their coach, clearly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I don't know to what extent Jason Garrett makes this team worse, but I would tell you that Jason Garrett doesn't make this team within the game 
better. I, I hesitate to say overall because I do think that uh, I, I still hold out on, you know, I, I think Jason Garrett does a great job in between games with this team. And I definitely think that he gets this team. You know what I think he does? I, I, and I know they had that really bad year a few years ago where injuries just totally wrecked the season. But I think in general, I think Jason Garrett gets this team from a mental standpoint in the right frame of mind. And I think that when there are distractions, as there are for any sports team during a season, he helps his team get past those distractions incredibly well. But I think that, you know, just like an athlete, there are areas where you succeed or, or, or flourish and areas where you struggle. I do think that within, you know, from opening kick to final whistle, uh, I think Jason Garrett uh, is probably in the bottom half of the league and helping his team. I think outside of that time period, outside of those 60 minutes, he's probably in the top 10 in the league. Uh, but, you know, where where's that perfect balance? Where's that sweet spot? And, and I think that for a better team, a team with a ton of talent, I wonder if I wonder if Jason Garrett is a better coach for a team that doesn't have as much talent as this team does. Mm. I, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this before we get to this week's game. And I don't know. I, I don't want to do we, I don't know if, if you've got more on Garrett you want to talk about. No, I was about to transition. Okay. So go ahead. So who's the best team in the NFC and who, which teams the NFC do you look at and say unequivocally, no questions asked, they are better than the Cowboys. And if they were to play each other 10 times, they would win, we'll say, at least eight of ten times. I don't. I don't think there's any team in the NFC that's better than the Cowboys. However, dot dot dot. I don't think their coaching staff helps them win any of these games. Like I, I think that's no, that's so fair. Clear. Yeah, I get like, what you're saying. They like Dak Prescott was dealing. He played maybe the best game he's ever played in the best season he's ever had, and they're five and four. That's coaching. That's coaching. How they can't be in this era of the NFL where your quarterback is at the top of most of the metrics defining quarterback success and you're five and four. That is such a poor reflection on the coaching staff. Like it's one thing when you're averaging 16 points a game. It's another thing when you're leading the league in yards, you're top five in points, you're number one in QBR. You're, I mean, it's like incredible how bad they are despite having a great offense because their coach insists on a game plan that eventually will lead to downhill running at inefficient times, almost stubbornly. Like the amount of times they run at first down, most inefficient down to be running the football is, is, is jarring. So. Yeah. They, they are, have the talent to beat anybody, but in a pl- playoff game where coaching's important, I'll take the Packers and I'll take the, um, 49ers and I'll take teams that, that are, are understanding league trends and adjusting within the game and understand how to manage games and those kinds of things, those important things. Now we've obviously seen the Cowboys beat the Seahawks in the playoffs, but, um, and, and the Seahawks are a team that probably run the ball egregiously too. So there you go. Yeah, I, I just think that, yeah, that they do. Uh, I just think, I guess my point is that this, what's frustrating and, and what's great is that this conference is wide open. I guess that's the great part. What's the reason why that's frustrating is that I look at this Cowboys team and I think they could have been good enough to be the best team in this conference, to put themselves in a position where this is their conference to lose. 
where they're the team that's most likely to come out of this conference. But they have not done enough, and it's players and coaches. Players and coaches have both fallen short in that regard. Uh, and, and, and you know what? Again, going back to the great thing, there's still plenty of time for the Cowboys to turn things around and for things to click and for them to be the best team in this conference. They might not end up with the best record, but I think that there's a, a still a, a decent chance, probably more than what is typical for a team with their record this late in the season, for them to head into week 17 or uh, wrap up week 17 with the sentiment, that's the best team in the conference. That's the team that's going the best right now. Because the talent's there, and there isn't that dominant team in the NFC. I think if you ask 10 like experts, name your top two teams in the NFC, I think you're going to get seven or eight different combinations. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's that's great for the Cowboys. I also, depending on how it plays out, it could also make it even more frustrating because this was so winnable and such a, a great year to try and come out of the NFC. All right, so let's preview the Lions. But before we do that, um, we've got Xavier Suofilo, who's going to be starting at left guard this week, replacing Connor Williams, which may or may not be a good thing. Probably is. He's coming up later. But first, let's hear this very, very uh, intense, in-depth discussion with Cowboys corner Byron Jones. On Star Chat, Ari Temkin, Jared Sandler here with Byron Jones, Dallas Cowboys. So you getting lonely out there? Nobody throwing your way? No, I feel fine. I feel fine. People throw my way. What you know? What was your approach this season, given you know, given that you're you know you're in the hunt for a new contract? Um, that's tough. To, well, the contract doesn't really bother me. What my main concern coming off the off season was um, I didn't have a lot of time for practice. I had a lot of time to get ready for the season. at three practices for the start of the Giants game. So um, that was my my main focus: is being being ready for football. How is it different or more difficult to prepare when you're not sure who the quarterback's going to be and, and the tendencies and all the different preparation for that guy when you got the Lions and not sure of Matt Stafford's status? Uh, you try not to worry, think about it too much. You can't control that. Just play good football. So you just kind of take the same approach in terms of, hey, whoever plays, plays? And exactly, whoever plays, plays. But is there a, you know, there's Jeff Driscoll had, you know, a tendency to run, so does that kind of alter because Stafford doesn't as much? So, I mean, is that. Let the linebackers take care of that. <laughs> no, but if you got to deal with the running quarterback, you got to plaster, you got to stay with your man. A bit longer. Um, he's going to make some plays in the pocket. What makes Kenny Galladay so tough? Big, strong, fast, good hands. Is he comparable to other guys you play consistently? Other big, strong, fast guys with good <laughs> hands, yeah. Which, I mean, how many how many guys are like that in the league? Not many, not many. I mean, handful, one, two, three. I mean, because there's a lot of talented wide receivers in the game. But, yeah. but, I mean, like you said, not many have that same exact grouping of those, of those things. Yeah, so he's unique. Thank you. All right. Blown away by the openness of Byron Jones. Wow. Just incredible, incredible theater and radio there. Uh, Xavier Sufilo was way better. And if you listen after our Lions preview, you will hear Xavier Sufilo, the Cowboys' new starting left guard. Uh, Hey, so Kenny Kenny Galladay is a good receiver. (laughs) And there's no one like him in the league. We got a lot of insight on that. I just don't want Byron Jones to rip off my helmet and hit me in the head with it. Man, do we need to do we need to quickly talk about that? No, please God, no. Okay, I All right. I have turned off. I just can't. I can't anymore. Even in like ten hours, it's still like, oh God, no more of this, please. 
I do want to say I, I I want to make one comment. Go ahead, go ahead. And and I did not watch the game. For people that don't know what we're talking about, Miles Garrett ripped off the helmet of Mason Rudolph and then hit him over the head with it. So Miles Garrett, I think, uh, deserves whatever suspension is handed his way. I you know if you told me that they were going to suspend him for a calendar year, I wouldn't say that they were wrong in doing that. Uh, I do think that there are probably going to be other things that come out that. Uh, you know, information as to what provoked Miles Garrett. Uh, but still, uh, that's dangerous what he did. I mean, if he would have struck Mason Rudolph more flush, that, that could have led to something way worse. Uh, and whatever he gets fined, he deserves. I also think just from, uh, accounts of Miles Garrett over the years, uh, that he is a really good guy who made a horrible, horrible, horrible decision and is frankly lucky that that decision did not result in more damage to Mason Rudolph, say Miles Rudolph, Mason Rudolph, uh, as we just talked about. I also just want to know, and, and, and I'm not justifying anything. I'm not making any excuses or anything, uh, cause see point one that Miles Garrett deserves whatever sort of suspension he gets. But I'm curious why Mike Tomlin had a typical drop back, three to five step drop back in that situation. You're down 14 with like what, 10 seconds left. Typically, if you're going to, you know, I understand not kneeling, you run a draw or you just run the ball or you run a little short screen pass or whatever. That was a chippy game. It's a division rivalry. It just, it seemed like an odd decision. Doesn't justify or excuse the actions. And I, I just, I was just curious about that. Anyway, to the Lions. Yes, to the Lions. Um, Cowboys and Lions. Jeff Triscoll is going to be starting at quarterback. This is a bad team. So the trend of the season tells us the Cowboys will win. Yeah, is that are you asking me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're a bad team. Yeah, I, I think starting. I, yeah, I think they win. Uh, I think that they. Yeah, uh, I, I would have been curious to see how this would have played out with Matthew Stafford, but with Jeff Driscoll, I mean, if they lose this game, then they really just just should not show up the next week. Will I mean, they fire J- will, say will Jerry Jones fire Jason Garrett if they lose this game. Uh, you know what? Uh, I will say yes. I, th- I think he will. If they lose to Jeff Driscoll and they play just a sloppy game, uh, then yeah, I think they, I think he is gone. Uh, you, you just can't. I mean, there's too much talent on this team and these games are too significant. Uh, you know, we talked about the schedule earlier. I mean, this is, a, this is a game you have to win. Right. Like, I don't say have to, like, no. Is their season over if they lose? No. But when you just look at the schedule and you, you look at how things are likely going to play out, you can't. I mean, this is not a game that, you lose. You 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 had your your uh, get out of jail free card when you went up to New York, played terribly on the road, and lost to the Jets. And I know they had their starting quarterback, but that's not a good team. You can't let that happen twice in a season. And now you're going up against a backup quarterback. There are a lot of holes on this Lions defense. The Cowboys should put up 30 plus. Uh, I you know with Jeff Driscoll as the quarterback, they should not give up 20 plus points. Uh, this should be a, a decisive victory for the Cowboys. So what is your decisive victory margin score pr- prediction? Um, you know, I, I, uh, I forget what I put on the fan little thing that we do each week. Cause at the time I didn't know that Matthew Stafford was definitively not playing. Uh, but I would go with the Cowboys 34 lions. We'll say, uh, 16. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, where, and I know that it's, it's a fool's errand to ask this question and expect, uh, you know, a, a definitive answer, but like, well, under what circumstance do the Lions win this game? 
and and I know we asked the same things with the with the Jets, so I, I get that. I just uh, other than the Cowboys not showing up, which they did not show up against the Jets, right? I, I would say well, like just three, four turnovers is probably the recipe for losing to for losing this yeah. game, getting down twenty one nothing, twenty four nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Cowboys defense is going to look way better in the next two weeks because they're playing bad offensive teams. So, you know, they've got, well, they've got the worst offense in the NFL next week in the Patriots. Um, and then the bears or sorry, the bills and bears. So, I mean, they're, they're playing three, three of the next four games are against bad offenses. So their defense should like in over the next month, we should be talking about how much better their defense looks and it'll probably be because they're playing bad offenses. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, and and I don't know if this is the game to do that. Just you know, the Lions are without Carryon Johnson. I know they have who J.D. McKissick or I don't know who they're rolling out there this week, and they're in the backfield. Uh, I think in it's the, John Jeffter sister Milabush Deftemathlostra. That okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's had a good um, career against the Cowboys? Jim Klein Saucer just came to my Jim mind for whatever reason. Cl- of course, yeah. Former former Vikings, great. Uh, this is this is more of a team that uh, you know they're going to beat you in the air. I think uh, I don't know which after a school, but I, I am curious. I we've talked about this the the linebacker play. Jalen Smith hasn't been as good. LVE hasn't been as good. You know, I wonder if LVE is just playing with an injury that's that's more than just a little bit changing what he's physically capable of doing. But uh, um, I, I want to see this defense get tested, and I don't know if this is necessarily the game for that to be the case. Uh, this is definitely a game though where the offense has got to. I mean, they, you know, it'd be bad if they don't put up big numbers, and really they should put up big numbers on the ground and in the air. Uh, but let's not take the ball out of our best players' hands in critical moments, huh? I, you know, can we yeah. work on that one? Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, let's let's not take the yeah no, and and Zeke is not the best player in that particular game, so yeah, he's not. Yeah. Right. Um, no, and I, look, I think this is a game where, you know, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have some decent sack totals in this game too. So I, I just, I think the Cowboys, if they think they're a playoff team, and again, I, I think there's, we've already seen their ceiling. So it's like, they'll they get the playoffs, but I don't know how much further they're going than that. They've got to win three of four. If they're a playoff team, they've got to win three of the next four games. You know, you can lose New England, but you got to beat Buffalo. You got to beat the Bears. And, uh, and we'll, so we'll see if they can do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I, okay, I'd say I think they can go two and two and make the playoffs. If you want to, if you want to really control your own destiny, yeah, going three or four. The the Buffalo one's a great test because that's a good defense. Uh, same with the Bears. I mean, Bears still have a great defense too. It's just Bear, yeah, I, Bears do have a great defense. I wonder sidebar, uh, why is no one laughing about the Raiders Bears trade anymore? Um, that seems a little odd, huh? Uh, here, I just, I never, I never understood that. I never understood that last year. I actually, from the start, like when someone in a trade plays really well, it doesn't mean that you unequivocally lost the trade. Like That's I, true. one of the things I said from day one, when Khalil Mack looked like the greatest player in the NFL after they played the the Packers in, in week one to start the year, I was like, wait a second. Wait, we, we love to value draft picks when it's super convenient, but when it's, you know, when we can laugh at John Gruden and the Raiders, uh, then we're we're all of a sudden we're not valuing the importance of draft picks because it's a year away from actually 
being utilized and two years away from being utilized again and whatnot. Yeah, but if the uh, Bears had a quarterback, this would be a moot point. Like the pro- like oh, Khalil Mack doesn't help their horrible decision I, to draft Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't disagree with that. My my point is simply that that could still be a good trade for both teams. Yeah, that's fair. Everyone made and it's probably gonna, what are the Raiders doing. No, you're right. What, and it's the, probably going to end up. It's probably going to end up being a better trade for the Raiders because yeah. Because Khalil Mack can't play quarterback, and the Bears aren't going to go very far without a quarterback, and they don't – like, I bet you the Bears end up signing Cam Newton this offseason, and I don't know that that's – like, Cam will be better than Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm not sure how much. And then, once they have a first-round pick, you know, a year from now, because you're, to your point, they still – the Bears still don't have their 2020 first-round pick in that Khalil Mack trade, so there's another first-rounder going to the Raiders – um, we'll see what happens, but, but yeah. I think your point's well stated. And by the way, the, the Cowboys certainly got the right end of the Amari Cooper deal. Like that, that, that deal is working out, but, um, you know, he's not one of their best players. So they're going to go to Zeke Elliott in that situation and not Amari Cooper. Yep. No doubt. All right. Uh, you're the best, Jared. You're the best. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I only said you're the best cause I wanted you to return the favor and say that I was the best. Um, you are. But, but we're the, we're tied for, well, no, you're actually ahead of me. I'm tied for a second with everyone else. <laughs> with, you're first. Yeah. With Clay Helton, you and Clay Helton are tied in second. Yes. Uh, for being the best. Okay. So yes. I want everybody to make sure to listen to the Xavier Sofilo interview because he's really cool and he's now the new Cowboys starting left guard. And we think that's better for the Cowboys than Connor Williams. So thank you all for checking out Star Chat this week. Without further ado, here's Xavier Sofilo. Star Chat, Jared Sandler, Ari Temkin here with Xavier Suofilo, starting a guard this week for the Cowboys. So when did you find out about the news? Uh, today. <laughs> yeah. Even though the, the Connor surgery had kind of already been announced? Yeah, well, I mean, I had an idea, you know, but like I said, I don't change anything in my preparation because I'm, I'm always ready. And last year, you know, when I had to be thrown in and be, re- be prepared, um, I was. And so... Uh, I know at any given moment, especially when you're the swing guard, that that can happen. So, what, so last year, similar situation. What did you learn about your experience, making sure you stayed fresh, so when this opportunity came, you were ready. That you have applied this year and, and being ready for this situation. Well, I think uh, what was interesting about last year is I, I'd never been in that position before. Do you know what I mean? Um, going from starting in Houston, you know, to coming here and kind of taking on this role, you know, was new to me. You know, but like because I've been a starter. I don't ever stop wanting to be a starter, and I don't ever stop preparing like it. Uh, so uh, last week, or last year, not knowing what was going to happen, but getting that opportunity in Philadelphia, you know, and really just kind of trying to execute the game plan was, um, you know, the thing that I was the most focused on and, and battling and fighting. And so um, similar to this week, we have I get, a, you know, get to know early in the week and, and be, be more prepared and uh, being, being here in the system for, for a year. I've um, learned a lot from the coaches and from um, my peers. It's funny, though, because you've been here for, what, a year and a half now? Yeah. And you haven't played next to Travis Frederick at a right. game, right? Uh, just preseason, man. Yeah, I never played against uh, next to him in a regular season game. So is that – how important is continuity and familiarity? Yeah, it is. It's very important. But like I said, like, I took the majority of rep for, for Zach at training camp, and that helped a lot. Just Travis' style of play, you know what I mean, and really doing it. And, and, in, and in practice, we're going to have to uh, work on it, and that's why it's practice, right, work on a few things try to fix what we need but you know Travis is I mean you guys know Travis is fantastic what he does and he's fantastic at communicating and really the thing I love about him uh, him and Zach is they're always communicating making sure we're on the same page with things and I've learned so much from him you know so mm-hmm. what uh what challenges do the Lions bring that are maybe unique to them and their personnel yeah well uh the Lions 
like they're built to stop the run up front. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I know that Coach Patricia coming from New England, you know, that's that's their big thing, you know. But they got some good players up front. Um, and, you know, especially Damon Harrison. I haven't played against Snacks, you know, since like my maybe my rookie year, second year in the league. And he was with the Jets at the time, you know. And um, he's just a good player. And they've got a lot of good players, you know, that are, that are tough up front, you know. And so uh, challenges uh, across the board, I think. And... Um, you know, it's going to be a good game. Who's got a better beard, Travis Frederick or Matt Patricia? Oh, Travis, for sure. I mean, <laughs> Coach Patricia, I mean, I've seen Coach Patricia's beard before. Um, like, I've never seen it in person. I've never met him in person. But I've seen Travis's beard in person. I love it. So, yeah. what, what kind of a challenge does Snacks represent? What, what, I mean, how do, you def- how, do you, how do you go against him? Well, I mean, uh, he's really big. And he's really smart, and um, it's a tough combination. Yeah, no, and and he holds that middle well, and he plays nose guard. And there's a reason he does; he's good at what he does, you know. Um, and so, like challenges is like with him is like understanding that he's smart, and he's probably not going to let you, uh, you know, do the same thing over and over again. And so you have to be very. Uh, balanced in your approach and very consistent because he's a smart player he's strong and he's big you know and so um, I mean all the respect for him man he's a good player I know you mentioned you prepare to, to play every week sure. but I mean do you have a different feeling this week because you know I mean it, it's without question you're going to be playing and starting and playing crucial role yeah I mean I'm excited you know what I mean uh, but really not really man like I'm, I'm telling you like I really try to prepare like I'm going to be in there every week because at any moment's notice it's like X get in and you got to make sure that like nothing changes and everything goes and you're doing your job and so I've really that mentality and that approach for me is just so important and yeah, it's it's cool knowing this early in the week, you know, uh, that that you're, you're going to get that opportunity, you know. But for me, it's focusing on every day, taking it one day at a time, and then once Sunday comes, just letting it letting it, uh, letting it it ride. Well deserved, man. Thanks. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.